If everybody would, come on in, have a seat. We'll get started here momentarily. We won't be having kids sing tonight with Brother Doug being out once again. He is uh, preaching at Berea, I believe. I may be wrong on that, but I know he's preaching somewhere, so hope he's doing a great work there. Uh, one of the things Chris, Chris and I have uh, wanted to do as he's been out is just introduce new songs. Um, I'm going to be doing tonight, It Shall Stand. This is uh, um, Praise and Harmonies, uh, acapella companies, one of their newer songs on their uh, CD called Overwhelming God. Uh, we've got a quick video or um, the video of them singing it. We're going to let, uh, let it play for a moment, go through it. And then we'll sing it from uh, from the slideshow. So if you would uh, listen to the tune, it's fairly straightforward, fairly easy uh, uh, melody here. Uh, but uh, Brand, if you would play that, one. it shall stand.
told his kingdom's going to stand. And so it's got a great message in there. So if you would, sing out. I know it's new, uh, but be confident in it, and let's sing through this once. announcements uh the annex class will not be meeting tonight so they will be in the this this classroom here and i'm looking at her uh tomorrow we've got the um boonville high school band luncheon that you're serving uh you do not need to come until 9 30 10 30 10 30 because a lot of stuff has already been taken care of before so once again, we've overachieved. So this next song is called I'm the One. It's kind of a song that is good for a, a, a Lord's Supper song. And basically what it does is it says I wasn't there, but every time I sin, I feel like I was. So 
We'll sing this song. Um, it's relatively easy. Uh, we've got three verses, so um, we'll have time to uh, catch on as we sing through it.
do so, may we receive it with receptive and honest hearts, and may we make application of those things, and as we have the opportunity, may we use those things in some way to be able to help others. We thank you for each and every one that is here. We ask you to be with those that are not. We know that several have left for camp this afternoon, and we pray that they have had a safe arrival and that they will have a good week and that they will be able to return safely to us once again. We know that others are struggling with their physical health, and we ask for your comfort and your strength to be upon them and their caregivers, and if it be your will that they may to be able to return to us, and we ask you to be with those that may be struggling with their faith for whatever reason, and that they too will be strengthened, and may we be those that minister to them, and may they too return, if it be your will. We ask you to be with us in each and everything that we do, and for this we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. Got a good handle on this thing this time. It's not going to fall. Okay. Brant, is this the clicker that we use? Okay, let me test this out. Okay. All right, I think I got it. Okay, so if you don't mind, let's go ahead and get our... Uh, uh, Bible's open to Ruth. So this book is a very short book. It only takes about 15 minutes to read. So since we don't have four weeks to cover this like what I had hoped we would have, and we're all going to do it tonight, um, let's, um, let's be prepared to uh, just read through, and then that'll give us a good... Uh, a survey of it just from reading it and then we'll make some key points because that's about all the time we have and then maybe toward the end we will have uh, time for some questions or something like that so we've been studying uh, judges the last few weeks and as you know we said it was it was kind of good it got a little bad it got worse 
And then it got ugly. We really didn't get into the ugly because the worst was really around Samuel. Right there toward the end of the book of Judges, they just did whatever they thought. It, if a guy was from the Levite nation, oh, let's make him the priest. So um, it was a lot of bad things going on. Uh, so when you open the book of Ruth, um, you realize when this is happening. I believe if you look on a timeline, he, this, uh, these, the, this story takes place pretty early in the book of Judges, right around when Eglon was the, uh, I think not Eglon, but maybe it was Eglon. Eglon was in rule at about the time. Um, so this is uh, Ruth. It's a really good story. It's really well put together. And what it is is God shows the providence of, in the lives of his people. And this is, of course, the story of the three main characters, the study of the widow, the Moabite, and the farmer. So, yes. So let's read the first chapter. There we go. Let's just read the first chapter. Now, I'm going to apologize to uh, people that like the New King James or the King James or the even the ESV. I'm trying out a new Bible, and I'm, I'm reading from it because um, I kind of got in a, a place where I, I couldn't understand what was going on. So I'm using the one that helps me out. So it follows pretty close to some of the other versions, but I don't think we get too bent out of shape. This is just a story. It's not really doctrinal stuff. So, so during the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem and Judah with his wife and two sons to stay in the territory of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They entered the fields of Moab and settled there. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died, and she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women as their wives. One was named Orpah, and one was the second was named Ruth. After they lived in Moab about ten years, both Malon and Chilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two children and without her husband. She and her daughters-in-law set out to return from the territory of Moab because she had heard in Moab that the Lord had paid attention to his people need by providing them food. That means back in Israel. She left the place where she had been living, accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, and traveled along the road leading back to the land of Judah. Naomi said to them, Each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. She kissed them and wept loudly, and they wept loudly. They said to her, We insist on returning with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Return home, my daughters. Why do you want to be, go with me? Am I able to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go on, for I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and, and, and to bear sons, would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Would you restrain yourselves from remarrying? No. My daughters, my life is too, too bitter for you to share because the Lord ha Lord's hand has turned against me. Again, they wept loudly, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, look, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. 
But Ruth replied, Don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped talking to her. The two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. When they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited upon their arrival. And the local women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, she answered, for the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Say no, say, so, so Naomi came back from the territory of Moab with her daughter-in-law, with her daughter-in-law, Ruth the Moabitess. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So as we entered this, and the way I like to do these things is to try to take about three, uh, three points. And so the first point is during the time of the judges. It reminds us of the dark days of Israel. So they were, uh, these were, this was when it was happening. It wasn't after the judges, it was during the time. So the next thing is that the story begins in Bethlehem. And the only reason I point that out is for something later. Just hang on to it. We'll come back to it at the end of the class. Elimelech and his wife had two sons, Mela and Chilion. They went to Moab uh, because there was famine in the land. This was in the land around Bethlehem. They went to Moab. Remember when we were talking about the, the hardships that were going on? Well, this is, this is what happened. Well, while they're out there, Elimelech dies and leaves Naomi with her two sons. At that point, that's all she's got. She's got two sons to take care of her. They marry Orpah and Ruth, and then a time later, they die, leaving all three women widowed. The next point is Ruth's loyalty to Naomi. Uh, this is a very uh, popular uh, saying, where you will go, I will go. We all know that. If you look at it, pay attention to the oath that she's made, because after that, she never did break it. Never. And there will be, that will be uh, accounted to her later. And then finally, they do res return to Israel. And then, as would be expected, she's mourning. Not only just her husband, but her two sons, her hope of having grandchildren, her hope for her name to be carried out. And everybody knows where uh, the, the promise was coming through. So all that was gone. She was brought very low. So, um, yes, yeah, so she, both of them travel back. It's hard keeping up with both of these things. I'm sorry. Uh, and then when she gets there, people actually know, know Naomi. This tells me that Naomi just wasn't somebody in the crowd. They missed her, and when she came back, they were excited. I could be wrong, but that's what I interpreted. Uh, and then she changes it to Mara, which means bitter, and she laments her losses. Next, we get into chapter 2. And in chapter 2, uh, this is what I call Ruth just meets Boaz. So uh, there's three main takeaways here, and let's read through them real quick. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. He was a prominent man of noble character from Amalek's family. His name was Boaz. 
Ruth the Moabitess asked Naomi, Will you let me go into the fields and gather grain behind someone whom I find favor? Naomi, Naomi answered, Go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth, let, Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. She happened to be in the field to gather I just read that. She happened to be in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from an Emelech's family. Later, when Boaz arrived in Bethlehem, he said to the harvesters, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they replied. Boaz asked his servant, Who is in charge of the harvesters? Whose young woman is this? The servant answered, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She asked, Will you let me gather uh, fallen grain from the bundles behind the harvesters? She came and has been on her feet since early morning, except that she rested a little in the shelter. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, don't go and gather grain in another field, and don't leave this one, but stay here close to my female servants. See which field they are harvesting, and follow them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. She fell face down, bowed to the ground, and said to them, Why have I found favor with you so that you notice me, although I am a foreigner? Boaz answered, answered her, Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since you had your husband's death has been fully reported to me, how you left your father and mother and your native land, and you came to a people you didn't previously know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done, and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. My Lord, she said, I have found favor with you, for you have comforted and encouraged your servant, although I am not like one of your female servants. I'm not like, yeah, just, I'm sorry, sometimes I impress myself when I actually can read, so never mind. Um, at mealtime, Boaz told her, come over, come over here and have some bread and dip it in the vinegar sauce. So, that she, so she sat by, beside the harvesters and he offered her roasted grain. She ate and was satisfied and had some left over. When she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, let her even gather grain from the bundles and do not hum humiliate her. Pull out some stalks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her. So Ruth, Ruth gathered grain in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gathered and was, it was about 26 quarts of barley. She picked up the grain and went into the town, where her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. She brought out what she had left over from her meal and gave it to her. Her mother-in-law said to her, Where do you gather barley? Where did you gather barley today? And where did you work? May the Lord bless the man who noticed you. Ruth told her mother-in-law, whom she had worked with, and said, The man of the man I worked with today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May the Lord bless him uh, because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. Naomi continued, This man is a close relative. He is one of our family redeemers. Ruth the Moabitess said, He has also told me, Stay with the young, my young men until they have finished all of my harvest. So, so Naomi said to her daughter-in-law Ruth, my daughter, it is good for you to work with the fe his female servants so that nothing will happen to you in, in another field. Ruth stayed close to Boaz's female uh, servants and gathered grain until the barley and the wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So it's just good timing here. Uh, or is it God's providence? 
and I think we'll see what this is later on. But it is harvest time uh, in Israel. Ruth asked Naomi if she could search for, search, search for food. Do you still see the loyalty there? She's a grown woman, and she's not just doing anything she wants to. She's given the authority, I guess, of the household to Naomi. She asked if she can go. Naomi says she can go, and it just so happens that she chooses a field that's owned by one of the family redeemers. He was from Imelech's family. Uh, the next big point in this chapter is Boaz was a man of character. We don't hear too much about Boaz, right? We just kind of go over it, but focus in on this. Um, his workers respected him, uh, and he knew his workers by name. The way I, I look at that is he knew everybody. He didn't ask for everybody. He asked for this one worker that was here. Uh, so when he noticed, noticed about Ruth, he asked, asked, asked about her. Another good thing that Boaz does is he is fulfilling the law regarding uh, the poor and foreigners. Uh, you can read in De uh, Deuteronomy 15, uh, 3 through 7, what the, uh, the Levitical law says about that. He also takes care of Ruth and he cites uh, her loyalty to, uh, I got Ruth there, but to Naomi and prays that the Lord will reward her for all that she has done. Um, so, I mean, Remember when I said I thought people knew who Naomi was? She's doing such good work while she's there and following her that he's already heard reports of this. So he's starting to know what her character is all about. Um, and I think if I do set up my PowerPoint right, I didn't. Uh, the third part, well, the third part is, uh, let's see, I got to, what it is was, I don't think I'm to that point in the, the thing yet. I'm not a teacher by trade. There's, there's a reason why. I'm an accountant, so. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's go on. If it pops up, I'm expecting the window to pop up with some more scriptures. There it comes. There we go. All right. Let's see. Okay, I accidentally did it. I put it up. My, put my, okay, people with no PowerPoint knew, know what I did. I did it wrong part of the uh, thing. Uh, but while we're there, let's just go ahead. But yeah, Boaz is the, fam is the family kinsman or redeemer. So what is that? So there's cultural practice that they had uh, that if a man, uh, family ma a man in the family dies, leaves a wife, children, or land, there were certain things they were supposed to do. Uh, you can see the verses there. Uh, it's basically three things. You marry the widow. Uh, you take up the land and protect the family. Um, so um, these are one of the things. This is... Boaz is, I would say, uh, a sound man. He, uh, he knows what the law is, and he's uh, um, taking care of that. Uh, so the next part, and we'll just hang on to the next slide until we get through it, is, uh, well, no, maybe we won't. Let's do it again. The next is what I call the engagement, all right? So uh, here is uh, chapter 3. We're going right through this Bible, or this book, uh, and let's see. I might be doing a little bit too good on time, so I'm going to slow down a little bit. All right, so uh, let's read chapter 3. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of? Now, isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his female servants? This evening, 
will be the winning, he will be winnowing, winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfumed oil, wear your best clothes, go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he is lying, go in, uncover his feet, and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. After Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went, down, he went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley. And she came secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there lying at his feet was a woman. So he asked, Who are you? I am Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. Then he said, May the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now uh, than before, because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Now don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say, since all the people in my, my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem you, that's good. Let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you, as the Lord lives, I will, I, I will now, I will. Now lie down until morning. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up while it was still dark. Then Boaz said, Don't let, the, let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he told Ruth, Bring the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl, and she went, went into the town. So, so she, went, she went with her mother-in-law, went to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who asked, What happened, my daughter? Then Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. She said, he gave me these six measures of barley because he said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi said, my daughter, wait until you find out how things go, for he will not rest un unless, un unless he resolves this today. So the things are put in motion now. So... The first thing at the very beginning of this chapter, the main points are Naomi and Ruth uh, plan to get Boaz to notice their situation. Um, so the first thing she does is remember, these were widows and they were dressed in wid wid uh, grieving apparel. So Ruth tells her to stop wearing the clothes of a grieving widow. Then she tells Ruth to go to the threshing floor and encounter Boaz while he's sleeping. And remember, she said, he would tell you what to do. Um, the next part is where Ruth responds with, I will do everything you say. Again, the loyalty is there. I think she had a lot of trust, too. Um, just to go and lie down where a man is sleeping. I think in today's, what we think of, that might be something that might be questionable, but I think this might be different, and we'll get into that a little while, uh, a little bit later. But the proposal, now, I think the women are going to really like this. Um, at midnight, let's see, I did a push the right button. Can you flip it to the next one? There it goes. At midnight, uh, Boaz is startled, and he asks, who are you? So he doesn't know who it is. 
and she tells him uh, who she is, and she uh, wants her to uh, Boaz to take him under under his wing, protect her, become the family redeemer, and uh, he does. He cites, but the main thing he cites the loyalty to Ruth and prays that the Lord reward her for all she has done. Um, so then Boaz praises Ruth, and guess what? He said yes because. <laughs> He didn't ask her to marry him. She pretty much asked him to marry her. Um, so uh, the reasons why is because uh, she had shown more kindness to him uh, than ever before. Another thing is while she was able to, she could have pursued any man that was there. Uh, but I think this is where the loyalty to Naomi, uh, she wasn't going to do anything unless Naomi gave her the blessings to do. Uh, so she wasn't uh, seeking riches or just seeking, I'd say, the the best looking guy that come around. Uh, she didn't do any of that stuff. Uh, so he told her, do not be afraid since all the people uh, in town know you are of noble character. Now, this is where we don't have time tonight, but if you go back and you read uh, Proverbs 31, I think this probably describes uh, uh, Ruth pretty much to a T. Uh, the uh, than uh, being a noble uh, character. Uh, so I thought that would be an interesting point if you have time. But then uh, what he does, and remember, this is still the famine. People are still hungry and people aren't getting uh, food and stuff. But he says, bring your shawl over here. And, and he just loads her up with food. Uh, but here is the beginning of Boaz's loyalty, not only to Naomi, but also, I mean, to Ruth, but also to Naomi. And the reason why is he told her, don't go back to your, grand, your, your mother-in-law empty-handed. Uh, so uh, I think he knows the score here. And so now it's the engagement. So uh, it's going to start going pretty quick now. So chapter 4, Boaz then, this is the next morning, Boaz went to the gate of the town and sat down there. Soon the family redeemer Boaz had spoken about came by. Boaz uh, said, come over here and sit down. So he went over there and sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the town's elders and said, sit here. And they sat down. He said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has returned from the territory of Moab, is selling the portion of field that belonged to her brother Elimelech. I thought I should inform you. Buy it back in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you want to redeem it, do it. But if you do not want to redeem it, tell me so that I will know, because there isn't anyone other than you to redeem it, and I am next after you. Integrity. I want to redeem it, he answered. Then Boaz said, On the day that you buy the field from Naomi, you will, you will acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of a deceased man, to per perpetuate the man's name on his property. The Redeemer replied, I can't redeem it myself or I will ruin my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption because I can't redeem it. At an early period in Israel, a man re removed his sandal and gave it to the other party in order to make the matter legally binding concerning the right of redemption or exchange of property. This was the method of legally binding a transaction in e Israel. So the Redeemer removed his sandal and said to Boaz, buy back the property yourself. 
Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are, are witnesses today that I am buying from Naomi everything that belong, belonged to Elimelech, Chilion, and Mahalon. I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, Malon's widow, as my wife, to perpetuate the, dead man, the deceased man's name on his property so that his name will not dis disappear among his relatives or from the gate of his hometown. You are witnesses today. All the people who were at the city gate, including the elders, said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is entering your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built the house of Israel. May you be powerful in Ephathra, and your name be well known to Bethlehem, in Bethlehem, because your house become like the house of Perez, the son Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring of the Lord will give you uh, by this young woman. Boaz took Ruth, and he became his wife. He slept with her, and the Lord granted conception to her, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you without a family redeemer today. May his name become well known in Israel. He will renew you, and it is better for you than seven sons. He has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, placed him on her lap, and became his nanny. <coughs> the, neighbor women, the, the neighbor women said, A son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the family records of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Abinadab. Abinadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. So... At the conclusion, and this is where I call this chapter uh, the marriage and happily ever after, right? So as we go, there's three uh, takeaways. We go back to the beginning. Boaz prepares to marry uh, Ruth. Uh, he could have done it in secret, but he didn't. Uh, remember, he's a man of noble character. Uh, so, and remember, he knows the character of the woman that is Ruth. So... Keep that all in the mind. That's why he's fighting for her. I think he wants her really bad, and it has nothing to do with the land. So the next morning, uh, let's see, where'd I go? The next morning, Boaz goes to the city, and he waits for his kinsman, the Redeemer. I like it. He says, come here and sit down, and he does it. <laughs> and then the elders come into the city. He gets 10 uh, of the elder men in the city and says, come here and sit down, and they sit down. If some knucklehead just said, just come here and sit down, going, what, what are people going to, I mean, guys, what are we going to do? We're just going to keep on going. But if it's a man of noble character, you're going to do what he says. So this just speaks to his character that men would uh, do whatever he said. Respect. Uh, he starts to state, state the case for uh, Ruth to be redeemed, and he says that she is the heir of Elimelech's land. I deem it his cousin because he doesn't have a name, okay? Just give me, grant me some uh, leeway there. But he agrees that he would do it. But when he finds out that uh, he has to marry uh, Ruth, then he's already in line for his own inheritance. At first, when I read through this over years, I was just thinking that, well, hey, I don't want to get married. I don't think it was that. I think he probably had a big portion 
that if he did this, then he would give up his inheritance. Boaz would get that inheritance. This might have been a little bit less inheritance, which is even more impressive for, uh, for Boaz. Uh, but he doesn't want to lose out on that inheritance, so he says, Boaz, you go ahead and redeem her. And I think it's very important that Boaz makes sure everybody testifies what's going on here. It's a legal binding contract too, but uh, he is basically uh, uh, letting everybody know that this is his going to be his wife and, and he's going to take care of, of that family, which isn't just uh, Ruth, but it also includes Naomi. Um, so Bo, Bo, uh, Boaz and Ruth marry. Uh, and what happens is they consummate that uh, marriage and she is now with child. Remember back a little while, uh, the night before, I mean, maybe when I was younger, I'd go like, oh, this is some of that crazy stuff in the Bible that goes on, you know, she was laying at his feet. But I don't think that they did anything uh, of a sexual nature that night. I think it was just a custom that they had. Remember Boaz said, do not be afraid. She doesn't know Boaz too much. That's gotta be a, a kind of thing. You gotta, you gotta get to a certain level of intimacy, I, I would think, before something like that happens. Um, but now they, they consummate uh, the, the marriage and God immediately puts forth his plan for the rest of the world. So remember, we get all the way back. You know, Ken was telling you, it's going to get bad, and then it's going to be great. I can't do the Ken thing. That's my best Ken impression. But it's going to be great, right? And, and why is that? Well, the son's name is Obed. We know who he fathered Jesse, and he fathered David. And 26 generations later, if I'm correct, I might be off one or two. I, I can't. Uh, sometimes it's a little confusing. But about 26 generations later, who comes along? Jesus. So that's the real quick run through. Uh, but uh, the next part is where I want to summarize this. And maybe we'll have time to uh, maybe have some questions. We're coming up on time. We're doing pretty, really good on time. So here are some interesting things. And this is more of a, a Chris thing here. So um, one of the interesting points is in this thing, how little God is really mentioned in this book. Um, the characters talk about uh, God uh, or the Lord or the Almighty. They talk about him a few times, but the narrator never actually mentions that God does anything directly in the story. And I think the reason is uh, because that God's providence is at work in every scene of this story. Uh, in Naomi, Naomi thinks God is punishing her because of the, her tragedy. Uh, the, when the whole story really is about him restoring her family. Uh, Boaz, I mean, Ruth, I don't know why I'm getting them two mixed up. I'm sorry. Ruth, uh, through her loyalty and boldness, uh, she brings healing to Naomi's life. Remember when they came in, uh, Naomi referred to, don't call me Naomi, uh, referred to me as Mara. And then when later on, uh, well, first she was, she kept talking. And finally, when she said, that, you remember, when she knew that she wasn't going to sway Ruth's opinion anymore, she just stopped talking. 
She just let it happen. And then when we're talking about Boaz and the young man, did y'all notice that she's not called Mara anymore? They call her Naomi. I think Naomi in her life gave her peace, helped her get over uh, her losses. And then you got Boaz. He's a generous farmer. He's loyal and he has integrity. So it comes down to um, God's using the mundane, the everyday experiences in our life to bring about his redemptive plans for the world. Do you feel sometimes like you read the Bible and you hear about these great stories? You hear about these big things that people do and stuff like that. And when you think about your life, it's just another day. Well, I think that's the way this went. This was just another day. This wasn't high drama or anything. This was just, this is a very, this is one of the best stories in the Bible. It just kind of flows. There's nobody killing anybody. Did you know nobody got killed? I mean, there's some guys died, but there was a famine in the land. It might have been that bad where they started death. Knowing the, that when people knew Naomi, I would say Elimelech was a good man of character too. And he probably worked himself to death to save his, his wife and his kids. And then when his sons, uh, they died, they might have worked their, themselves to death trying to save uh, their mother and their mother. Um, so I think this is something that we can take a, a good note from that just because uh, God isn't doing some miraculous thing or something big isn't happening or we don't feel like we're getting there every day. Um, every day, every, everything we're doing, God is working for us. So when we get down to it, we, we kind of uh, go to the next thing. Uh, let me push the thing. So here's, here's a couple of things. So the question, how is Christ is our redeemer? I guess this would be good answering question times. Does anybody have anything that they would like to say? How is he re our redeemer? Well, let's go. Let's, let's do a couple. One number one, um, he has paid our debts, right? Does anybody have a debt that when we're talking about Christ, we're talking about spiritual things? He's paid our debts. Debt, debts, right? And we all know what he means. What, what we mean by that. Um, and when he does that, guess what he does? He marries us into the family of God. We're no longer dead in a way and don't have anybody. We have this whole big family. We come here all the time. Christ did that for us. He paid our debts. He gave us a family to look after us. But then what, what does he do? When we're down, he restores us, doesn't he? So the next question would be... Uh, Wow, how is God using you to bring about Christ's redemption to the world? So these, this is kind of a thought question, and this is where I leave it with you. So we think, look at some of these, 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 these books, and we just kind of read over them as stories. But really, it's, it's really the story of what Jesus is doing for us today. Uh, God wants his people to follow him. And he wants us to be loyal to him. And he wants us uh, to be bold as well. Um, I would say Ruth was a pretty bold woman. To go and suggest to a man that she doesn't know 
uh, 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 you know, one of the big men in the car- uh, in in that town, and just say, "Will you marry me?" <laughs> and I think it speaks volumes for Ruth that he's like, "Well, yeah." So um, that's really what I, I think. So when we started this whole um, series, look at Judges, and you look at at Ruth. When Israel got very far away from God's law and began to do everything they want, they were following uh, the Baal. They were following the Asherah. What you need to remember is they had very immoral uh, worship practices that was of sexual nature, and they also had child sacrifices. That is very bad. I mean, that's how bad they had got. And that's at the beginning of it. And we started going through, it's getting bad, it's getting bad, it's getting bad, it's getting bad. But in the end, while all that getting bad's going on, you got Ruth and you got Naomi and you got Boaz. And through their everyday little quiet life, the, uh, the, the Savior of the world, uh, his line, God chooses to put that line right through there. So as we're going about our lives and we're thinking that the world has come down on us and we're bitter and it's easy to get bitter. I've been there. And then someone comes into our lives or somebody, it doesn't have to be uh, a mate. It can be just somebody that, that, that says something to you. I had an, an elder one time that come up to me and he shook my hand. You know what he said? He said nothing. He just looked at me with a, look of concern, knowing that where I was. And then we had another uh, a deacon, and this was another time. He just come up to me and he says, how's your faith? And he was a son of another one elder that his, his big thing was, how's your walk going? It was like, walk is a, your walk, your faith. How's your, how's your journey with God going? So, that son started picking up that, and uh, it's one of those things I've been trying to ask people that, and because it it, it 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 makes them think about it. So we're all on the walk here. So um, I think that's kind of what what the whole purpose of this this is. I mean, we've we've experienced this morning that life can be tough, and we need each other to to lean on. And when we're there, God is there, ready to pick us up and take us home so um that's pretty much all i got and i think uh, we did a little bit early does uh are there any comments that anybody would have or if not i think we beat the kids tonight so maybe we can go and go down to their doors and and kind of make some noise <laughs> but uh anyway um let's be go ahead Uh, so what we'll do is we'll be, uh, I'll lead us in prayer and uh, we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this study that we've had of the judges and Ruth. Uh, we thank you for uh, the ways you teach us, uh, the, uh, the stories that you have that help us see what can become of us if we forget who you are. Heavenly Father, help us be ever mindful of who you are and, and try to do what you would have us to do. 
Heavenly Father, as we uh, complete tonight's services to, tonight, uh, we ask you to be with Doug and his uh, meeting this week, that he will uh, preach the word and, and that souls will be saved and, and lives will be improved. And Heavenly Father, as Steve and Ken and Jordan and, and the rest of our kids that are going to camp this week, please, please protect them from the heat. Uh, give them some cool winds to uh, give them comfort. We know it's going to be hot, Father, uh, but keep them safe and let them have an enjoyable time learning about your word and be being in fellowship with other uh, Christians that are their age and children that are at their age and, and let them know that being a godlike is not a bad thing. Heavenly Father, forgive us of our sins and save us in heaven. This is our prayer in your son's name. Amen. Oh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, I don't know if somebody get it, got it before it, but if somebody does need to do the Lord's Supper, uh, someone will be back there to help you.